Welcome to the Culture Chat, hosted by WorkXO. Our mission is to upgrade work. Find out more about our workplace genome project at WorkXO.com. And now, over to our host for today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Culture Chat podcast. My name is Jamie Notter. I'm founding partner at WorkXO, and I'm here, as usual, with my other founding partner, Charlie Judy. What's up, everybody? Nice to uh, be talking to you today. And I'm very excited because today's podcast conversation um, is going to be focusing on a topic that I care very deeply about, uh, which is innovation. Uh, I think those uh, those of you who know me and certainly WorkXO know that we talk a lot about innovation. It's one of the it's one of the markers in our culture assessment that we focus on. Um, I don't know. This has been a passion of mine for a long time, so I'm excited to get into it. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to let you tee up the this our guest and topic. Yeah, so uh, again, hello, everybody. Uh, I, too, am excited, and um, for a couple reasons. We're, we're going global today on today's call. Yes, yes. We're, uh, uh, we're going to be talking with a guy that's with a company that is um, very well-known and in, mostly in the European space, but it, Europe's largest selection of fashions and trends digitally, all brought to you via computer, and the name of the company is Zalando. Um, I, too, think a lot about innovation. Uh, the great news or, or the, 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 the tough lesson is that you can't just innovate because you want to innovate. There's lots of stuff that has to happen uh, at the ground level and, and really at the genetic level, of course, is how we like to talk about it. Um, and I think we're going to touch on one of those things today when we talk to, to Mark. Mark uh, is representing this large organization. Um, uh, Mark Lamick is the head of innovation and partnerships at Zalando. And Mark, I'm just going to turn it over to you so you can tell us a little bit more about, obviously, yourself and the organization um, briefly, of course, and then we'll jump into the topic uh, shortly thereafter. So thanks for joining us today, Mark. Yeah, th thank you very much for, for giving me the chance to be here. So I'm pretty excited to, to tell about what we're doing uh, at Zalando in terms of innovation. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark. I started at Zalando uh, actually more than seven years ago when we were like a pretty small startup with around 80 people, now around um, 12,000. So it's kind of grown over time. Um, currently, I'm leading our innovation and partnerships team, which is actually part of Zalano's product division. And yeah, I'm, I kind of have, have went through all the kind of product areas and kind of different ways of innovation that you can have inside of a company from like being a startup and just innovating by having a super cool new business idea up to being now a uh, a bigger company that has to foster innovation in like different ways than it's kind of necessary mm. to do doing a startup. Cool. So I'm going to um, jump right into our topic so we can get into this conversation. Um, and specifically, we're not just going to be talking about innovation in general, but our, our one big question for you today is not just around innovation, but around the idea of mastery. How can the concept of mastery boost innovation in the workplace? I think when, when we look back like around three years, there was kind of a decision we made to kind of really restructure how we approach things in our tech department where we introduced radical agility, which actually like 
was a new concept for, for a company, though, like based on pretty well-known uh, known concept, like, uh, for example, from Daniel Pink. But it's like what we really um, fostered were like four areas. Um, one of them, of course, mastery, which you're talking about. The other ones being purpose, autonomy, and trust. So really uh, focusing to, to build up a team where everyone is as autonomous as possible. Can Every team can make their own decisions without having too much hassle to interact with other teams and being like blocked by them, where everyone knows the purpose for, for that she's working for. And everyone has like a clear view what kind of... Uh, what what kind of benefit their work brings towards like the company purpose or the company mm -hmm. goals. Mm -hmm. And of course, mastery, where we like, where it's like pretty important to see that people don't only join Zalando because they, they earn money here or they kind of see that as, uh, as like a cool job because you're working on a cool product, but it's also about joining somewhere where you can really learn stuff, where you can master your craft, where you can really uh, move forward with your skill set that you actually want to do. And um, if you look at this as a, as a basis and see that, that our main goal is to really, um, next to, of course, delivering great products and making the customer happy, really um, also bringing our, our employees towards the next level in terms of their mastery. Mm. And this could be, can be super different. Like we, we have uh, something called tour of mastery. It's kind of um, related to the tools of duty um, that, that were like uh, introduced mainly also by LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of to, to really make clear towards from the side of the employee, but also from the side of the company, this is what we expect you to master you, you to train your mastery but this is also what i as an employee want to get better on or what i want to master so there's some there's there's some there's some mastery that 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 has to tie directly to you know call it the job description um but there's also an opportunity for mastery to develop around an interest um did i did i get that right Definitely, definitely. It's, 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 I think it could be if you're like a great engineer, uh, but you've never worked in Scala and you know that Zalando is uh, pretty much doing a lot, lot towards uh, programming in Scala, you can say, okay, yeah, I'm super happy to do like my first year. I'm a super Java programmer. I work like really hard to, to get this product to the next level. But this is really something I always wanted to do. And this is where I want to move in. And you kind of, as like in the joint like promises you have in a tour of master, we as a company then promise to, to tell him, okay, you're working there, but then you get like the chance to maybe move to a team that's working on Scala and you can really train this, this like skill. It's like programming language is always a nice example because it's pretty straightforward, mm -hmm. but it could also be someone in product who has always worked on customer facing product, but never on a B2B product and says, okay, I really want to move into that, but I don't have the skills yet, but I see that, um, I have a lot of other skills that benefit the company. So this is the reason you, you need to hire me. But, it, but for my, ex, my expectation towards you is to really train me on those stuff I don't know yet. So um, one, one of the things that's really interesting to me about this conversation, we kind of teed it up at the beginning, um, is, you know, so, so innovation may be the outcome. Uh, and of course there are others, but let's, let's just say because of today's conversation, we're focused strictly or, or 
particularly on innovation. You mentioned things like you mentioned baseline behaviors um, or you know cultural dynamics, stuff like autonomy and trust and purpose. Are you starting to see correlations between how those things show up and how strong or how effective your innovation is? And if so, are you starting to see any one of them as being more important than the other? So, so for instance, is, is, is trust like, is that the, is that the, the price of admission? If you don't have trust, all bets are off. Um, are you starting to draw those correlations? Um, it's, it's, it depends from, actually, it, it really depends from, from department or like product area to product area. Um, I think trust is like one of the most important like baselines or like one of the most important pillars on working together. If you don't have trust, if you, if your, your, your employees don't trust you as the management and if you as, uh, as the management don't trust your employees, there's something like definitely wrong in that. So that's why I think this is a baseline. If this is not there, then like innovation has a really hard, hard ground to grow from because why should, why should you as an employee like bring in your best ideas if you don't trust your employer to do like the best with it? Mm -hmm. So this is kind of something that's, that's, that's really important to have as a baseline. But I think it's not something that really directly fosters innovation. I think it's, it's definitely more on, on the, um, on the autonomy side that you really tell people, okay, um, we don't care how you reach this goal. We actually don't care what, what kind of methodologies you, you use, but you really need to build the best possible product. And if you tell people that, that they don't need to focus on um, working on, on organizational and overhead stuff, but really give them the chance to really work on products that that also give them, gives them the time to think about innovation. Well, um, I, and I think that's one of the interesting things um, uh, from what you're talking about, uh, particularly around the mastery piece is, I mean, to be honest, like when I think of mastery and even the phrase you use, like master your craft, I think about obviously diving deep into to something you're very, you're, you have this, this skills and knowledge and, and expertise in, which is fine. Um, but the examples that you're giving are about, taking like taking what you've already mastered and now mastering something completely different, like moving I, in a completely different area, which again makes sense yeah. to me from a, from a um, innovation point of view, because it's about the diversity of it. It's about the difference of the ideas and expanding awareness, but that's, that's a tough, I mean, I find that's a tough sell sort of in organizations because I hired you to do X, you know, I need you, I'm paying you to do X kind of, kind of mentality and, and I don't have the time or the energy or the resources to, to have you doing all these different things. I mean, how do you, but it's awesome you because, because X gets old man. I mean yeah, like X yeah. gets like we, we sign up for X because we know that's what we can get paid for. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not answer. I'm not trying to answer Mark's question, but I love, I love how you just teed it up, Jamie, that this is I, like, that's great. You can reach mastery, but then you got to move on to the next mastery. Mm -hmm. right? I, I think there are definitely two sides to it. I, I think on one hand, um, if you if you hire the best people and they're and the te most talented people, they will get bored after two years mm -hmm. doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of and if you don't give them the possibility to move somewhere else, most of them. And I think this is also why why the tour of mastery is something super mm -hmm. individual. 
Mm-hmm. I think these these are like the most tangible examples to like do something different in terms of mastery. But we also have examples of people who are really diving deep into this one topic and becoming experts there. And rather joining like the real expert track in one topic uh, or one 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 kind of craft and get be like the go-to person inside of the company for this craft. Though it's kind of it's it's a much like this tour of mastery is much more limited to like people who actually I really w- only want to do this one thing mm-hmm. and you need them as well. And especially on the software engineering side, having, mm-hmm. having uh, colleagues that, that know like this one area super well is, is definitely helpful to like, um, to, en- to enable all the other teams. But like, if you, if you look kind of over the whole, over the whole like tech organization, especially there are more people who actually want to, do something different from time to time and mm-hmm. like master skills more on a horizontal level than really going vertically into one topic. Mm-hmm. On the other so, hand, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. If you, if you now look into this, um, how that actually fosters innovation, if you look, look back on that side, I think one thing that's kind of really important for us and where this kind of mastery part comes in, in a, in a very, a very crucial way is um, when we look at how, we, how people can bring in their innovative, innovative ideas that actually don't belong to their product area. Because we are not, up until now, we are mainly talking about being innovative in the product you're actually working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it could happen you're working whatever in, on a logistics product and have a great, great business idea that's customer-facing, that's more in, in the app. So it's kind of, and if you have this idea that's kind of targeted nowhere and like no one is looking at this, but you're really interested. You can, you can, uh, you can apply for, for what we call slingshot program, which is um, where, where our innovation team um, takes up the idea, helps those people um, who had the idea, structuring it a bit better, um, asking like the right questions to have like proper proposal or proper pitch. And then the person can pitch like for resources to work on this idea. And actually, those resources are mainly getting people, giving people the time to work together with them in a team on this on this idea. And there, we actually, as an innovation team, who helps them to all through the process and helps them to get a team together. For us, those people actually are very good in this one area and this one um, one craft are the go-to people we we can talk to in terms of getting them on those teams. Because if we, if we need an expert on one topic that actually joins the team on this, on this new idea, or even just acts like, a, acts like a coach or acts like an expert, this is so helpful to have like this. It's a few, a few experts only, but those are like the ones who can really help to build this idea. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let, let me, let, I just want to shift a little bit here because um, you, you mentioned another word which, or concept, which I also am, am passionate about. And this is, is it's autonomy. Um, and I, so I, so I love the connection between autonomy and innovation and autonomy and mastery and innovation. And, and the one thing that I always scratch my head on is how do you, so, so you have an organization that went from 80 people to 11,000 people in seven years. Wow. Like, how do you, how do you uh, allow autonomy to flourish without letting some of the traditional 
obstacles or, you know, um, destroyers of autonomy enter, enter the workplace. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, I think there are like, there are like several ways to it. Um, I think one, if you, if you would think about the three most important, most important factors, I think one is to, to really uh, stay flexible, stay hungry and stay like, um, and be open for change. I don't, I don't know how many changes our organization has went through in the seven years, but it's a lot. And I think this was really, really important for organization, even if it's like hard for, 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 for employees or if you're, if you're like working, if you get restructured, if you're moving to different teams, if you kind of have to have a new manager, this is of course an, a hassle. But if you're growing so quickly, there's no way around that. If you're not like regularly reshaping and restructuring your team, you kind of get stuck in mm-hmm. like grown processes that don't, that lead nowhere. And that actually lead to the prop to silos, to silo thinking that lead to like managers or like areas which are not cut in the right way, where there's no autonomy anymore because everyone has to align with everyone. And then you're kind of really struck, uh, stuck in discussions. Um, and we've got, we've went through a lot of those changes. Actually, at every growth step, you need to think: How does this? Uh, how does this affect my uh, my organization? And how do I have to change my organization? This puts a lot of stress on the on the employees. But there's like it's the only way to kind of uh, have I, stuff like that. I, I, Jamie, I'm gonna let you jump in, but I just want to just I just really want to highlight this notion that autonomy puts pressure on the employees. Mm-hmm. Like, like you can give permission for autonomy and, and you can get out of the way, but the employee still has to own it and they still have to drive it. I think that's really kind of counterintuitive almost, but very cool. Well, and, and I was just going to add the, the, the connection there too, to the change piece. I mean, this is, it's really interesting to hear this this Ural's approach, particularly now as a larger organization. Um, I've always felt like in the or not always, but in the last several years, I keep coming to the conclusion that large organizations need to learn how to be small, and and this change piece is a big part of it. But I would imagine you talk about the pressure it puts on employees. I imagine you have to do some hard work in finding the right people who will thrive in that kind of environment. Cause I think a lot of people, I know there are a lot of people out there that will not um, and trying to force fit them into that. would be, would be a challenge sort of back to that pressure yeah. piece. I mean, do you guys, do you guys hire for people who can handle that kind of change? Is that really explicit for you? Um, it's, it's not where we're, we're not going into the interview and telling you, yeah, you're going to right. have like 20 changes in the next, <laughs> next month, um, which is maybe a bit accelerating, but um, we're definitely looking for people who have this entrepreneurial spirit that actually would work for a startup. And I think this is something that's really part of our DNA to, to think entrepreneurial. And this is also the autonomy. This is also a huge part of thinking entrepreneurial is thinking autonomous, really thinking about the best possible solution, thinking about how would you actually do it if this would be your company. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you do this, you're like the first step towards, towards, being, uh, towards being autonomous. And we are like really fostering this during the hiring process um, especially on like leadership roles or also on product roles where this, this entrepreneurial um, skill set is like super, super important. Mm. 
So sorry for the pause there. I was like, I could not find my unmute button. I'm, I'm oh. trying to <laughs> trying to talk. I've got two screens going. That was my my fault. That there's a pregnant pause. Um, you uh, you just said um, that. Oh, now I've lost my train of thought, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take over there? <laughs> oh, take over, man. Take over. This whole mute thing got me thrown for a freaking loop. Okay. I'll, I'm going to think of it if you can take over. That, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so I guess one follow-up question uh, that I touched on a little bit earlier, but I wanted to go a little deeper on is, is, is around, because we talked about mastery, but that the issue of diversity so I'm a, I, one of the things that I talk about a lot, actually, and, and, and wrote about in when, when Millennials Take Over is that, that, that the presence of difference is critical to innovation. If everyone thinks the same way and has the same experiences and had the same training, you tend to get solutions that look a lot like the ones we developed yesterday. But when you get people together who are different. So are, do you, is that another piece of this? Is that something that, they, that is ex, an explicit part of what you guys do around innovation in addition to this mastery piece? It, it's, it's definitely like a crucial like part of the, of the company. And I think um, we're, like, we're really, really good in terms of the, the diversity when it comes to um, international people working here. So mm -hmm. we, in, tech, in our tech department, it's actually way more than half of the people are from somewhere in the world. We have people from over a hundred countries working, working for Zalando overall. And we like from the beginning on uh, with like the expansion of the company in terms of new markets, instead of like opening offices in the markets, we got all the people to Berlin. So mm. actually we have a super diverse team in terms of internationality. Um, I totally agree that like having a, a like diverse team in, in all the other areas like gender is super important. To be honest, in tech, we are also not where we want to be. Right, so right. there's still like um, way to go. I think we're definitely doing doing better of, as like, than some of some of the classic tech companies. But um, overall, we we we're gender wise super super great. I mm -hmm. think even more than half of uh, half of Zalando employees are, are female. Mm -hmm. But if you look into the tech department, it's definitely looking yeah. looking different. Yeah. Um, yes. But it helps. It's definitely something that's important for the innovative teams. And actually maybe the, the, one of the, uh, one of the nice stories is actually the, what I would say the, like the most successful idea we had in the Slingshot program, which is our bottom up innovation program was led by, by, by two women that actually brought this idea up and brought it all through the, the process and really uh, had a successful, successful launch afterwards. So mm -hmm. it's kind of definitely um, showing that, that it's, um, having like diverse teams helps to, to bring in like the best ideas. Yeah. Cool. So, so as you were covering for me there, Jamie, thanks. And, um, <laughs> and as I was pounding my head against the table, I did remember what it was I wanted to ask about. And it does, it does tie into this notion of diversity. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up. So, so in our culture assessment, we do talk about diversity, but it's, it's actually part of inclusion, which, you know, is a, is a, it's a bigger concept, um, and it does include uh, diversity in the traditional sense of kind of, um, you know, the, the more outward or, or certainly physical or ethnic or experiential, um, uh, you know, backgrounds. But we also talk about ownership, and and you you said, and this is what I couldn't remember and now have, 
um, that we ask people to, to, to think about what would you do if you ran the company, like, or if you were, if you were in charge and, uh, you just gave an example of, of how, um, you know, something came up as a result of an initiative that you had and you empowered people to kind of take ownership and, 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 and do it. What, where else does that come out? Like, it's one thing to say, think, think like you own this organization. Can you give examples of how that shows up in your workplace? Like where, where ideas turn into action, where people have a voice, where they feel like they can actually influence the outcome, um, so on and so forth. I'm just be curious if there's a little bit more context around that. There's like, um, I think there are like several ways in terms of to, to foster this, like an organizational like cultural part to kind of be open for ideas to have like have like the possibility to talk to each and everyone but that's like more the baseline that every company should have i think with like programs we we run in like in the innovation lab where we really not only give people the chance to say okay this is my idea i work on it but also like say okay this is one of our like major um, difficulties we have in this or that area and please tell us if you have a great idea to solve this, even though you're working from a totally different department, just come in, say, yeah, I have a great idea. And we put like teams together with like the best people that, that could join together and work on an idea, which is totally interdisciplinary, which, are, which could come from uh, very diverse areas of the company. And this like really then also on one hand helps us to find the best possible solution for a problem. But on the other hand, gives like, each and everyone the possibility to raise their voices on like important topics. And I think like coming up with your own idea and really bringing it so far that you, that you're confident to kind of start this as a new business model, or at least as a new um, kind of bigger part of the company is sometimes uh, maybe a bit hard. Um, on the other hand, if you, if you um, get to know that these are like the problems we are looking for creative solutions. And then you could jump in with your idea. This is a lot easier for each and everyone to, to, to jump on. And this is like something we also want to foster, you know, in our innovation programs. Mm. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I want one and we're, we're kind of running out of time. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here in a minute, but I just, one comment that I want to make about this whole conversation, which I think is, is pretty exciting is is just the way, Mark, that you guys have thought through all this stuff at such a detailed level. I mean, I will, I will say that that's, in working with organizations around any issue related to culture, one of the biggest challenges is people haven't thought through the implications of the way they do stuff, you know? I mean, that's part of why we do the assessment that we do and the, and the work we do, is, is that people don't, they, they don't, they don't think it through. So I just, I am, am noticing how much you guys have thought all of this through at a really detailed level. I think that's pretty cool, which is of course why we're talking today, but anyway, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I echo, um, uh, it strikes me that, that, that we have an opportunity to talk about culture, um, and the permeation thereof across multiple boundaries, um, geographic boundaries for that matter. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think about the, the diversity of culture in an organization that's within the same uh, country. Mm -hmm. um, like what are you guys dealing with 11,000 people uh, you know, disseminated across really the globe? Um, and that's a, that's maybe another discussion for a different time. So 
I, certainly I enjoyed this conversation as always. It could go further and hope that we'll find an opportunity to do that maybe somewhere down the road. Thanks for joining us, Mark. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for inviting me. So that's, that's, yeah, thanks again. We really appreciate it. That's going to wrap up this edition of the culture chat podcast. Uh, do check us out in the, in the obvious locations, which would include iTunes and Podbean, where we post this. And of course, on the workxo.com blog, uh, where we will be posting transcripts and other goodies about this conversation and others as they come up. So thanks again for joining us. Take care, everybody. And that was the Culture Chat today. We'll have some highlights up on the blog soon. Find out more about WorkXO and how to map your workplace genome at WorkXO.com.